If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me to Hebrews chapter four, as we continue in our sermon series through this incredible book of Hebrews, we've entitled it, Fix Your Eyes Upon Jesus. No matter what you're going through, no matter what literal storm or figurative storm or internal storm in your life is happening, uh, the book of Hebrews is going to remind us of the greatness of Jesus. His supremacy is sufficient. Uh, He's superior to all, whatever you're going through. Whoever you are, wherever you've been, we're going to learn that Jesus is enough. And that is such really good news. All right, let me ask you, how much preparation did you do for Hurricane Matthew? Did you go pull out all the stops? I mean, do you have more water right now than you'll ever have? Uh, Do you have enough trail mix to last you in the next century? Uh, Did you get yourself all ready to go now trying to think, what do I do with all this stuff? I want you to know. I was ready long before the storm because I remember Charlie and I remember what it felt like not to have power. And it seems like our house is always the last one to get it. And so uh, over the years, when someone was like, didn't want their generator anymore, I took it. I scored a a generator and I had an electrician come to our house and he put in what they call a little pigtail connected to my uh, power box that I was be able to plug right into my generator Air conditioning, lights, hot water, good stuff. So I'm all ready. I get the generator out, pump up the tires, make sure I have gas, all ready to go. And guess what I realized? I don't have the right cord that hooks from my generator into the power box. Nuts, I'm not ready. So what do I do? I run like you probably did. Some of you did as fast as I could to Home Depot and Lowe's. And I bought a cord uh, that won't hook right into that uh, power box, but it will go into my outdoor air conditioning unit. At least I'll have AC and be cool in one room. The cord cost, I'm not kidding you, 150 bucks. So I thought, don't open it until you have to, right? Hang on to that puppy. I put the receipt right in the box. I was going to say, I'm returning this as soon as we weather the storm. Yesterday, I had to officiate a wedding. Did you know how warm it was? I'm like, I can't stand anymore. I need air conditioning. So I rip open the box completely in pieces, get out my new 100, I mentioned the $150 cord. It didn't work. I didn't have the right, I, I thought I had the right prongs. I thought I had the right plug. I thought I had everything. You know what? I had nothing. There's times in life when you think like you're ready for the storms. There's times in life where you think you're prepared. You think you have the right stuff. And then you realize sometimes in the midst of life, you don't. Have you ever felt that way about life? Have you ever felt your way about life? That you think you had enough, you, you were okay. And all of a sudden, wham, something hits you and you don't realize, ah, am I prepared for this? You see, the writer to the Hebrews is writing to Christians. They they were, they were folks who embraced Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Uh, they were from Jewish descent. Uh, they grew up with a, a, that system and they've embraced Christ as Savior. And now they're wondering, is Jesus enough to get me through the storms of life? Is, is he really the right connection I need? Do I, do I need something else? Because things were happening to them and life was getting hard. And as life is getting hard, sometimes you wonder, do I need more? Do I need to look back and do we got to like start offering sacrifices again? Do we got to look forward? Is Jesus not enough? Have you ever been there? I have. 
You ever been through a life and just wonder, is, is, is it enough? Is he, is he strong enough? Is he good enough? Is, is he going to see me through the storm? Is he the right fit for me? Or, or is I somehow missing out? Well, through this, the, the writer of Hebrews can say, listen, fix your eyes on Jesus. He really is enough. The supremacy of Jesus, he's unlike any other. And the sufficiency of Jesus is enough through all of life's storms. And he will get you home. Even through death, he has conquered. Hang on to him. And the writer of Hebrews uses this really compare and contrast to look at Jesus and see his superiority, that there's nothing like him. And he will talk to an audience that's very familiar with some biblical themes. He'll say, you know, Jesus is better than angels. He's way better than angels. Don't look to them, look to him. They'll say, Jesus is better than Moses. And, and Moses in the Old Testament, like he was the guy. He gave them the law. He spoke to God face to face, but Jesus is God. He speaks as God. And Moses gave us the law, but, but Jesus gives us grace and truth. And the only way we're really set free is grace and truth. He said that Jesus is better than Joshua. He can give us a rest. And, and this week we're going to talk about Jesus is better than Aaron. And Aaron had a unique role. Aaron was the high priest. And the high priest is in a very important role in the Old Testament. It's basically saying that Jesus is greater. He's greater than this, this Aaron. Let me tell you about the high priest. Uh, the high priest was one who was chosen by God and he had an incredible role. Ready for this? How would you like this role? Chosen by God to represent the people to God. That's a tall order. And to represent God to the people. And this high priest had one really specific duty that was so important. One day a year, it's called Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. One day a year, the high priest, he would put on this special garment, this special robe. And on this robe, he would have all the names of the tribes. He'd represent God's people. And they would send him into the Holy of Holies in the temple, into this place to make a sacrifice, to bring blood for a sacrifice for his sins and the sins of the people. Now, this is where God in the Old Testament uniquely put his presence. And, and you just didn't walk into God's presence casually. You don't just walk in and say, hey, I'm here. It was so holy. God is so holy that only one person, one time a year, went into the Holy of Holies. And it was so scary to realize that sinful people could go in the presence of holy God that he has this special outfit on and it actually says on his forehead, holy unto the Lord. And they put bells on his robe in case he fell over dead and they had a rope on him. They literally put a rope on him in case they had to pull him out. It didn't go very well with the sacrifice. It tells us a little something about the holiness of God. It tells us really what's important with this high priest. Because he was going to go in and make a sacrifice to make sure that we could have accessibility to God. Jesus is called not just a high priest. He's called the great high priest. There's been no one like him. No one who would represent us like he does. No one who's made a sacrifice like he has. No one who's opened up heaven like he has. And we're going to see as we look at God's word, the beauty of Jesus is we can now, every single one of us, no matter who you are, no matter where you've been, because of the work of Christ, we now have the privilege of going into God's presence. Ready for this? 24-7. Just as you are, just wherever you are, because of this great high priest, what Jesus has done for us is now we don't have to fear the wrath of God. We are called children of God because of the great sacrifice he has made for us. He is so much better 
than that first high priest, Aaron. And we're going to see why as we read God's word. So Hebrews 4, we're going to pick up where Jared left off last week in, in verse 14. And we're going to go through chapter 5, verse 10. And we're going to see about this great high priest. But let's be mindful. This, this book was written a long time ago, written specifically to a Jewish group of believers who were wrestling But because God himself breathed his very being into these words, these words are for you and me. These words actually tell us they're living and active. So if you've been religious or not, or you're you're familiar with church or not, God wants to speak to you. No matter what storm of life you're facing today or you'll face tomorrow, God wants to speak to you. He wants to remind you of who he is and what he's done through his holy word. So let's hear the word of the Lord, Hebrews 14, beginning in verse I'm sorry, Hebrews 4, beginning in verse 14. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the son of God. I love that title. Jesus, his earthly name and the son of God, his reality, both human and both fully God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sin, He can deal gently with the ignorant. This is talking about the earthly high priest and the wayward since he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins, just as he does for those of the people. And no one takes this honor for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest but was appointed by him who said to him, he's going to quote Psalm 2 here, you are my son, today I've begotten you. And he also says in another place, which is Psalm 110, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now let me hit pause and say, we're going to be looking at the next several weeks uh, of what it really means for Jesus to be a priest. It's very important for us. And this term Melchizedek, we're going to unpack a little bit here but much more in the coming weeks and see how Jesus has fulfilled this. Let's go back to verse seven. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplication with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Let us pray. Oh, Father God, we ask for your glory and for the health of your people that you would come here with power, with your Holy Spirit. And that God, you would open up your word to all of us, that you would be pleased to to speak through a broken sinner like me. That, God, you would give us ears to hear the voice of Jesus, the great high priest. That you would give us minds to understand what does it mean for us? 
What does it mean for our lives to understand your word and, and the reality of Christ as, as the ultimate great high priest? And God, would you be gracious to each one of our hearts? Would you fill them with your truth and your reality for the heart that is darkened by unbelief, for the heart that is hardened by sin? Oh God, would you speak and speak powerfully? And God, would you come and be with us in a way that, that we're changed to become more like Jesus, that we'd be able to leave here and walk in a manner worthy of your name. God, the things that I say that are wrong or merely my opinion, may those things fall away and be forgotten. But the things that are said that are true and contain the good news of the gospel, would you use those things to make us more like your son, the great high priest and our savior for his glory and for our well-being. And we pray all these things in the matchless name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. In your bulletin, you'll find some space to write. Uh, we did, I didn't get the, uh, we ran the bulletins early, not knowing what time the storms were going to come. So you don't have an outline, but it'll be on the screen behind us, uh, behind me, if you'd like to follow along. And the first thing we're going to see that this passage teaches us is Jesus is our great high priest. And how is he a great high priest? And it's not just a good one. And it's a pluralative for him is he is a great one. He's a great one in the way he represents us. He's great in the way the sacrifice he's made for us. And he's great in what he's opened up for us. He's, this is three parts of the greatness of his being a high priest. And the first one is this. It's great in the way he represents us. This passage says that Jesus is a high priest who is sympathetic with us. He feels our pain. He's been made like us. We've read through Hebrews. It says that Jesus, although very God, uh, eternal God, he put on flesh and he was made like us in every way. That he's experienced life as you and I've experienced life. He's been tempted with the things that you and I've ex ex been tempted with. He knows your pain. He understands your struggle. He knows what it's like to be betrayed and hurt. He knows what it's like to hunger and thirst. He knows what it's like to long for more. He knows what it's like to wonder why. All these things as a high priest, he, he sympathizes with us. The beauty of this God, great high priest is he's not so strong and powerful that he can't relate. Whatever you're going through, whatever right now is a burden, he's not looking down at you saying, get over it. Get stronger. He's not despising your weakness. Isn't that great about your God? He doesn't look at you and say, oh my goodness, here we are again. You're still wrestling with that same sin. You're still messing up over here. You're still so prone to wander. This is Jesus, the great high priest who's been made like us in every way. And he sympathizes with us. He rep represents us so well because he's made like us. But unlike us, he did not sin. Every one of us here has been tempted, but every one of us here have been given into temptation. And that temptation has turned and it turned to, to sin. But for him, that temptation never stopped. He never gave in. He's been carrying a burden that you and I never would have or never could have. He greatly represents us because he's sympathetic with us. But there's more than that. Scripture tells us that he perfectly represents us. Not just sympathizes with us, but he perfectly represents us before God is the way that we should have lived our life. 
The beautiful thing of scripture, don't miss this. The beautiful thing of scripture makes very clear that God is holy and we are not. Scripture makes very clear that we are called to a certain conduct of living that we've all failed to do. As a matter of fact, Romans 5, Romans 5 is a a, a passage of scripture that reminds us that we have peace with God, but it will tell us a lot of the Bible story. It will say this in Romans 5, it says that all of us sinned in Adam. That when God created Adam and Eve and he created Adam and they sinned and fell, that, that his corruption was passed on to us. That his guilt was given to us. We want to say, well, that's not fair. That every one of us has been affected because of one man's sin, according to Romans 5. Your life is affected. This world is affected. Hurricanes come. People die. Bad things happen. All because of one man's disobedience. That's a lousy part of the story. You keep on reading Romans 5, it says, because of one man's obedience. Because Jesus perfectly represented us in the life we were supposed to live. Because of one man's obedience, because of one man's death on the cross, we could be considered righteous. This high priest, let me read to you Romans 5.18. Therefore, as one trespass, this is Adam's, led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness... His righteous life, his death and resurrection leads to justification and life for all men. This is a great high priest who perfectly represents us in life and in death. For as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. So by the one man's obedience, the many are made righteous. You are sitting here in one of two categories. Because of the brokenness of Adam and your own brokenness, you sit here and, and sin. I mean, that's all of us. We've all sinned and fallen short. But because of the grace of God, and if you've placed your trust in Christ, you and I sit here. God knows the truth about us. He still knows we're prone to wander. He still knows what we messed up even already today. And he declares us righteous. And he declares us his own. Because this great high priest was sufficient for us. Great in the way he relates to us. Great in the sacrifice he made for us. Because he was sinless, he was the spotless lamb of God. Because he was sinless, uh, he was able to offer up a sacrifice for us. John the Baptist, it tells us in the gospel of John, when he first sees Jesus, he says, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, the spotless lamb of God. Now, Jesus is a great high priest because he's got a really unique role. Remember the earthly high priest like Aaron, they had to offer a sacrifice for their sins and the sins of their people. They would, they would kill a, a, a bull, they kill sheep and they would bring the blood in. But Jesus is a different high priest. He not only offers a sacrifice, but you gotta watch this. Jesus is the sacrifice. He is the lamb of God. He is the one who, for our wages of sin, would die so that we could have life. Jesus, the great uh, high priest, is great in the sacrifice he's made for us. We're going to look at, in Hebrews chapter 10, it talks about the high priest. And it says that every day they stand in the temple, and every day they offer sacrifices over and over and over again. There's that one special day of atonement. But you read through the Old Testament, it's, it's a bloodbath. Because why? The people kept sinning. The people kept messing up. And so they had all these things to to offer up sacrifices. And the priest's job was never done. It says that they continually stood. Why? Because they could never sit down. Because 
their sacrifices never worked. Scripture says the blood of bulls and goats doesn't remove the sin. It just points to the one who would. And so Jesus, this great high priest who offers himself as this awesome sacrifice, guess what he does? He sits down. He sits down at the Father's right hand. We're going to see that. Why? Because the sufficiency of his sacrifice is enough. When Jesus declared on the cross, it is finished. It truly is finished. If you're in Christ Jesus, your sins have been separated from you as far as the east is from the west. The punishment has been fully paid by Christ himself. This great high priest who sits at the Father's right hand. Why? Because he is a great, he made a great sacrifice and it was enough for all of us. Do you live your life in the reality that he's enough? He's great in the way he represents us. He's sympathetic and he perfectly represents us. He's great in the sacrifice he made for us once and for all. The sacrifice is done. It's now not up to you how you sacrifice your life, although it's important. It's not like you have to earn it. He's already earned it completely. This is incredible grace, but it's also great in the what he opened up for us. It says that he passed through heaven. Jesus, our high priest, has passed through the ultimate holy of holies, heaven itself, and he's opened it up for us. You see, in the Old Testament, that, that high priest would one time a year go into the holies of holies and he would go in behind the veil and, and, he, and he'd make a sacrifice and he would come back out. But when Jesus, it says, when he made this sacrifice on the cross and he was resurrected from the grave, he passed through heaven itself and he opens up heaven. Have you read the story of Jesus's death on the cross? Something, something incredible happens there that maybe you never understood what it really meant. But it talked about the veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom. You've probably heard of that if you read the Bible. It's basically saying that that veil that kept holy God from sinful people, that veil that kept people from dying, getting close to the holiness of God, that kept that separation was ripped in two through Christ's sacrifice on the cross. And this is what it means. You ready for this? Because of the sufficiency and the supremacy of Christ's sacrifice, you can go into God's presence anytime, anywhere, just as you are. You don't have to put on a, a, a silly costume. You don't have to try to, you don't have to go through a, another person, a pastor, a priest. You don't have to have anyone else intercede for you. Because of the veil being ripped from top to the bottom, because of the holy of holies being exposed, Jesus has opened up heaven for us. He's brought heaven to earth and he promises to finish the job that he has started. But this is what it means for you. Don't run from him. This is what it means from you. Don't hide. This is what it means from you. He, he knows who you are. And because of his sufficient work as a great high priest, you and I have 24-7 access to God's throne right now. Because that is the ultimate great high priest of what he has opened up for us. It says this in the book of Hebrews. We're going to look at it. It says, now he lives to intercede for us. What is Jesus doing? Well, he's still a high priest. And he's living to intercede. He's, he's calling our name to the Father in heaven. He's reminding him as if he needed a reminding of the sacrifice he made. He'll never let you go and he'll never change his mind about you. He lives to pray for us. Is that not a great high priest who's made a sufficient sacrifice now lives to pray and now lives and prepares a way for us to plead our cause? So what is our response? We have two things. 
The first one is this. Let us hold fast to our confession. They were wobbling in the the, uh, book of Hebrews. They were wobbling, wondering if Jesus is enough. They started to doubt. And if you've been walking with Jesus for any time, you probably understand this. You probably understand some storms of life. You thought, I thought that I had the right connection. And somehow I thought that Jesus was going to get me through this in a different way. And they started to doubt. And, and the writer of Hebrews to say, don't give up. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Don't, don't give up. But hold on to this confession. Why? Again, the reminder, the supremacy and the sufficiency of Jesus is enough. I love how he's described in verse 14. Jesus, the son of God. Jesus, this earthly name of a man, fully man, who's also fully God. He sympathizes with you. He relates to you. He's made a sacrifice. It's enough for you. He lives to intercede for you. He truly is enough. Don't let your circumstances take your eyes off of Jesus. Don't let your circumstances tell you that he's not enough. He is enough. He conquered the grave itself. If Jesus is enough, we hold on to our confessions. We really are forgiven. That sacrifice was sufficient. That tomb was empty. We really are free. The debt has been paid. You don't have to keep paying it yourself. You don't have to keep beating yourself up. Jesus paid it in full. If it's true, and it is, hold on to your confession because you really are safe. There's not a storm that's going to wipe you from his love. Not even your internal storm of sin. There's not a circumstances in your life that's going to keep you from being out of God's love and mercy. Because of the cross, you're out of harm's way. The wrath has been absorbed. Death has been destroyed. Heaven has been opened. He's going to bring us home or come back for us. You're safe. You're safe in Jesus, those nail-pierced hands, no matter what. Are you holding on to your confession? Well, many of you say, well, yeah, I'm holding on. Let me show you some areas that maybe that we struggle with. It's, It's feeling guilt and shame. When we feel guilt and shame for, and we should confess our sins and, and be cleansed of them. But if you're still living with this burden of guilt, if you're still, if you're, if you've given your life to Christ and your life is defined by guilt and shame, you are not holding on to your confession. You're, you're holding on to your sin. You're holding on to your brokenness that Jesus says, I've dealt with it. I've dealt with it. Get over it. Continue to give it to me. So if you're struggling with your life, and again, we all are broken, we all stumble home with feeling guilt and shame, or you're, those people here are trying to earn it. Well, Jesus did this for me. Now it's my time to do something for him, and I really better earn it. I know in my life, that's the way I often feel. And again, I, I want to say there's something noble about that. Like, hey, look what he did for me. Now, now I got to respond. It's my turn, and, and I, got to, I got to make sure that I'm really doing it really hard doing it well. You know how God wants us to respond to him? By love. We have a great high priest. Let me tell you, he's sufficient for your sins and he's opened up heaven. He's never going to let you go. And he wants you to walk with him. Why? Because you love him and he loves you. He knows the truth of you. Hold on to your confession. Are you holding on? And then he says this, let us, the second thing, because of this great high priest, let us draw with confidence to the throne. Do you see that word? To the throne of what? The throne of grace. Isn't this really good news? This is God's throne. He doesn't say, hey, 
we got a throne of judgment here. You got to be careful, steer clear because of the love of God in Christ Jesus. He says, let us now with confidence 24 seven, just as you are go into the throne of grace because Jesus made sure that the judgment was taken care of in Romans three, verse 29. It talks about Jesus and what he's done. It says this. I love this. It calls Jesus both the just and the justifier. You see, because Jesus was tempted in every way without sin, because he is the spotless lamb of God, because he represented us and lived that perfect life, he is just, he's righteous, he's holy. But it's more than that. Because of his work on the cross for us, he's not just just, he's the justifier. He's the one who has become our sin so that we can become the righteousness of God. This is who Jesus is. And because of that, he sits on a throne of grace, a throne of mercy. And he says, come anytime, just as you are. Don't try to clean yourself up. Just come. Let me do it. He says we can find two things that we may find mercy. Oh man, what good news. Mercy for our sinfulness, mercy for our brokenness, mercy for our cold heartedness, mercy for our faithlessness that we could find mercy. And then a great God says, hey, come into my presence so I can make you better. Come into my presence so I can clean you up. And come, this is, come so you can find mercy. Come, come to my presence so you can find mercy for everything in your life that you look back on that's broken and wrong. And come so you can find grace. Grace today, morning by morning, new mercy we see. Morning by morning, new grace that we have. Grace for today and grace for tomorrow. God wants you to live your life. Listen, God wants you to live your life radically set free by the amazing grace of God through this high priest. Not with guilt, not with shame. That you could draw near. Draw near to God. Why? Because the wrath of God, a holy God for sinners like us, is gone. It's been absorbed in Christ Jesus. Jesus. Draw near to God Why? Because the law of God has been perfectly fulfilled. Draw near to God. Why? Because you're loved by God. Draw near to God. Why? Because you're a child of God. Draw near to God. Why? Because you find your life and your identity to God. Draw near to God. Why? Because we're his adopted children. Draw near. What happens when conflicts comes with you? And if you're married, a spouse or some who are close to you, usually conflict comes and we, we separate. We, 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 we run. And I got to confess, I have the tendency to do that with God. When bad things happen, when sin creeps into my life, I have a tendency to run. He wants me to remind me, my son, Jesus, he's a great high priest. You don't have to run away. Run to me. Draw near. Listen, some of you here this morning don't feel like you deserve to draw near to God. This is a great high priest. He's so much greater than your sins. Some of you feel disqualified from drawing near to God. Jesus has bridged all the chasm. Some of you may feel disqualified. You just, you can't earn it. You're not supposed to. This is Jesus, the great high priest who perfectly represents us, who lives to intercede for us, who's opened up heaven for us. And he says, hold on, hold on to your confession and draw near by the grace of God. Hurricane Matthew certainly was powerful. We saw some of the devastation. We all know that, man, we did steer clear by God's grace from much of it, and we were spared. 
But the storms of life that ever we face, may we know that Jesus is enough. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the great high priest. Let us pray. Father God, for the heart that still is struggling to believe this incredible good news of the greatness of your son as our high priest, would you be gracious and merciful? And God, for those who maybe have never embraced you as their Lord and Savior, may today be the day where they realize what Jesus has really done, that he's opened up heaven for us. He's opened up a relationship with you, our heavenly father, because of his righteous life and his atoning death, his incredible resurrection. God, would you give each and every one of us the grace to believe this incredible good news? And God, may this good news set us free. May we hold fast to the confession that Jesus is Lord and our Lord. And may we draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.